being a farmer, I mean, holds a lot of importance. I mean, it's being a pillar of the community. A farm should be kind of the center of our universe. It was something I grew to love so much more than I ever thought I would. It's an extension of just who I picture myself to be in a lot of ways. Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast. I'm Jen Latta. Will Witherspoon is a now-retired NFL linebacker who played in the league for 12 years with the Panthers, Rams, Eagles, and Titans. He's always been comfortable on the field, but after he retired in the 2013 season, he found himself working in a field of a different kind. Monday Night Countdown reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck has more. Being a farmer, I mean, holds a lot of importance. I mean, it's being a pillar of the community. A farm should be kind of the center of our universe. Will Witherspoon still dons a blue uniform. But it's a different cut than the blue he wore as a Carolina Panther. Intercepted! Picked off by Will Witherspoon! Runs the right side of the 10 to the 5! Touchdown! While in the prime of his 12-year NFL career as a linebacker, Witherspoon purchased land that would forever change the stakes for him. So during the offseason, how did farming help you with football and vice versa? You start moving these things around, <laughs> just definitely you're tossing bills, and that's always good work, but there's always something new. On the ground. Good. You know, it's a good getaway because unless you kind of shut down from the season and get into something different. The 185 acres that Will initially purchased in 2007 for his two horses has grown into what is now Shiregate Farms, a 680-acre ranch with livestock including cattle and chickens. It's become a family affair with his father Cordell, known as Pops, helping out. What's your least favorite chore on the farm? Chicken. Chicken coop. Oh, yeah, who likes yeah. that? Ooh, I, they've been in there for a while. I mean, you, you give them a month, they can make a mess out of everything. This is a big operation. How much agricultural farming knowledge did you have when you got into this? About three minutes worth, probably. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Um, when I really got into the cattle, I started asking myself the question, like, well, if I'm going to produce beef for myself, like, what would I want to put on my plate? And that's the core value to me of, of what Shiregate is in that sense. Will learn to raise beef that is 100% grass-fed, which he says not only raises a healthier cow, but provides leaner beef. And in true local farm fashion, most of Will's goods can be found within miles of where it's raised. Honestly, I like working with people. To me, it's not about being in Whole Foods. It's not about being in the retail environment so much. I like being direct in contact with the individuals. Get it together. And one thing people need to remember when you're ever cooking a grass-fed steak, it cooks about 30% faster than a normal steak will. So you want to undercook it a little so it finishes where you want. Compliments to the chef and to the farmers. And cheers, and thank you for coming out. Thank you. Hopefully you've enjoyed your entire visit. So as we sit here enjoying this incredible grass-fed steak, how close did we source this? I give it about... 40 to 50 acres. Really? It's definitely been in this yard. It is farm to fork, literally. Yes. 
So could you have ever imagined after you retired from playing in the NFL that you would be sitting here on 680 acres of land as a sustainable farmer? Oddly, no. <laughs> it was something I grew to love so much more than I ever thought I would. It's an extension of just you know, who I am and who I picture myself to be in a lot of ways. Still to come on the SC Featured Podcast, reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck talks to Will Witherspoon about life on the farm. But first, a special thank you to all of you listening to this podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to SC Featured on Apple Podcasts and add us to your favorites on the ESPN app. I'm Jen Latta, and you're listening to the SC Featured Podcast. We've been talking about former NFL linebacker Will Witherspoon and his second act as a farmer in Missouri. Our own Michelle Beisner-Buck had a chance to catch up with Will at Shire Gate Farms. Okay, Will Witherspoon, I'm standing on what exactly? Where is this what of how many acres you have? So this is basically about a half acre, roughly, of, okay. uh, of the 680 that are out here for Shiregate. So it's it's kind of next to the cattle barn. So w- when you were looking at Shiregate initially, what was the original plan? Well, originally, uh, you know, when you come in, you, you see my horses, the two Shires, and my painted walker. I bought the original piece of property for my two Shires. It goes back to the fact that for what I was paying for board, I was like, I can own a piece of property and have somebody taking care of my horses for less than what I'm just paying to board these two. And uh, I just started looking for land and looking for property. And, you know, first I kind of started closer into St. Louis because I was playing at the time. And, you know, I just kept getting a little further and further out. And, and we're only really an hour or so from town. So I was like, this is perfect. I don't mind being out a little ways. So I bought that first 185 acres really for my horses to have a place to be and enjoy a good little ride. And, you know, there are many people that ride out here anyway. When did you buy the property? That was 06, 07-ish. Yeah. So, wow. So, You've done a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've pretty much refenced the whole thing at one time or another. And, you know, cows push fences and all that stuff happens. But And then added on acreage, uh, of course, to get to that 680 there. We've got everything from artesian wells out here, five ponds, old moonshine cabins that are on the property, things of that nature. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of little bits of history, um, and also really where we are is technically sits on what used to be called Jake's Prairie, and that goes back to a, an old Indian who basically decided that you know what I'm gonna make my new settlement here because they were getting forced further and further west, and sat down and said, "This is my new home." Wow. So 185 acres you started with. It, it evolves to now 680 acres. How quickly, though, from your initial purchase did it become Shiregate Farms? You know, I named it Shiregate uh, kind of off the cuff just as you know, because name. I bought it for the Shires. I mean, that was kind of my two Shire horses. But um, it became more of Shiregate Farm is what people were really getting to know when I went out to buy cattle. I mean, my tax guy was like, just get some cattle. Your <laughs> you know? tax guy's out yeah. your accountant said, like, get some cattle. Get some cattle. It helps you with this, and we can just label as that. You know, this is going to be a hobby for you. Like, here you go. And I came home with 16 when I went out to get two. And so the first question I asked myself was like, well, I guess I can raise cows. You know, I got, I got grass. I know that much for sure. I got way more grass than my horses need. So having 16 heads is not going to be bad. And 
went about and really started trying to understand what I wanted to do. And that's where I started getting more and more into what Shiregate has become for me. And in one sentence or a couple of words, what what is Shiregate Farms all about? Wow, one word. Uh, Doesn't have to be one is, word. One in, sentence. In a way, yeah, in a way to put it, I, I would. There's no easy way to say it that way to me, but a home away from home for me, as well as a place for me to give not only my kids and my family, but the people the experience of of what farm life is really about, and you know the ups, the downs, but overall, you know, just how you can live in harmony with it overall. This is a big operation. How much agricultural farming knowledge did you have when you got into this? About three minutes worth, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so you had three minutes of knowledge, of agricultural farming knowledge when it's you started. Estimate, you would say, yeah. rough estimate. Yeah. What did you do to further your education? Well, when I got the cattle, of course, you know, with the horses, it was one thing. I, my original farm manager was actually the woman who cared for my horses, who was leaving the barn that I was, that I was boarding them at the time. And I brought her out here, uh, you know, to kind of watch the horses and keep things together, but... When I really got into the cattle, I started asking myself the question, like, well, if I'm going to produce beef for myself, like, what would I want to put on my plate? That's, you know, really the the core value to me of, of what Shiregate is in that sense. And that's what led me to find AWA, which is animal welfare approved. There's non-confinement. There's pasture raising. There's, um, you know, non-antibiotic push. I mean, in the 10 years I've had the farm here, I can think of maybe half not even a handful of animals I've ever had to dose with any antibiotic. And I, those are the animals I'm like, you get two choices. You either remove them from your program and change them over, or they become no more than you know a birthing cow for you from that standpoint. It is all about the care of the animal and knowing how to live in harmony with what they need and what their needs are. Are all of your livestock here 100% grass-fed? Yeah, we, we do grass-fed, grass-finish. Um, and that's the craziest part about it is, a lot of people always want to do grass-fed and call it, and grain finish it and call it grass-fed. But we do a 100% grass finish. So for those that don't, don't know, what are the benefits of eating grass-fed meat and beef? I think when, to me personally, the, the most amazing statement I ever got to hear about beef was uh, there was an older gentleman who was probably about, I think he was, about 96 at the time we're talking about cows and everything else and it's like hey you know come over we're having we're, we're putting some steaks on the grill and getting that done and sure enough um he's like this is how beef used to be this is what i remember growing up and meaning you know, that there aren't isn't it, that it's natural that it's yeah not... it's natural it's un it's unchanged from you know the cows eating grass and doing what they, they're foraging for what they want and for all that they need so if you were going to try to sell a person on on choosing to eat grass-fed meat or beef over non-grass-fed, what are the top three reasons that you would give them? One is the health benefits, of course, with the omega-3s, the you know the leaner beef that you're going to get out of it. You're not getting as much fat in that beef there. And then I think you're you're truly doing things the right way. Like if you're if you're one of these people that really wants to understand what you can put back into the environment, back to being sustainable and also being more cultural with your community because the odds are if you're getting grass-fed beef it's coming from a place like Shiregate where we're 60 miles from St. Louis Mm -hmm. so when I take beef up there it's only got to travel about 70 miles overall in retrospect your typical commodity beef goes 
essentially from here to California and back. Right. <laughs> and what do you think the biggest food violation in this country is? Ooh, not having, not having access to to real food. Right. I, I, the best signage I think I ever saw for it was like, when did we have to start calling this organic? I remember when it just used to be called food. <laughs> what were your teammates' reaction to you being a farmer? Well, the the best reaction is uh, several years ago when I was back here in St. Louis, uh, then 2013 season. You know, there was a time. Uh, I called our chef up. I was like, hey, I'm going to, let's do some steaks for the boys one night. And he was like, all right, uh, you want to do that? I was like, yeah, let's get some together. We'll put together a good steak dinner, you know, during camp or whatever. And so guys are sitting here eating these steaks, talking about it. And I'm just, you know, kind of casually eating steaks, doing nothing, everything. And I could hear guys asking Sean, like, hey, where where are these steaks over Maybe Where do you get this from? Like, what, who who got you these steaks? You know, you, you know, and of course he goes, he points at me, and they all look at me like, Spoon got you steaks? I was like, well, no, they're from his farm. Like, it's his steak. So, you know, a lot of guys who, who got to laugh at that, and they're like, man, that's awesome for real. But, you know, guys will ask you how you can help them, you know, with their diet or anything else. Like, I, auto- I automatically somehow became somewhat the team dietitian. If you could change maybe one thing in every NFL cafeteria um, and the way that teams and organizations feed their players and staff, wh- what would you do? I think, again, it comes back to to being local and, and being more well-rounded all around. A lot of teams have really absorbed that over the years, so that's great to see. So there's very little in that part, but still do a better job of, of probably getting rid of you know, some of the excess. Just making sure that at every level it's it's kind of a, the options and opportunities are there in the right right way. As a voice for sustainable farming, what do you want your message to be? I think if I had a, a voice to, to put forward on that, it would be making sure that people understood that, you know, when you look at sustainable farming, make sure you, you're looking at it from the standpoint of if this is your neighbor and you, you knew you could buy this from your neighbor for the same price you're going to pay for it at the store, why wouldn't you? Ask yourself, why wouldn't you do the right thing for your neighbor who's the person that comes over and cuts your grass when you're out of town or make sure your mail's not piling up or, you know, whatever they may do for you, being neighborly, right? Farmers are your neighbors, and that's really what it comes down to. So make sure that you're giving them the opportunity to make sure they can be farmers. I mean, the average farmer age now is pushing 60, and that's a hard deal to keep going. And we have kind of millennials that are taking a grasp of it and trying to pull into more. And that's great, but we need more. I want to thank Michelle and Will for joining us. And on behalf of the SC Featured Podcast team, thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, I'm Jen Latta.